0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our interview with the writer and director for the film CryptoZoo, Dash Shaw, and producer Jane Samborski. Anybody here?
1: Cryptids, what is this place? The
0: CryptoZoo is a sanctuary, a place for all the unloved animals in the world.
1: People think of us as imaginary beasts, but most mythological beings are simply extremely rare beings.
0: Why would I get involved in the black market?
1: For the money. These animals are strong weapons. i dedicated my life to keeping cryptids safe. The animal
2: in there is the property of the
0: US military. She's not yours. I'm Medusa. I'm a Gorgon.
3: Ah! You're falling apart. Do you have a question for the cards?
1: I'm looking for someone.
3: You see things in the world
1: others do not see. This is who I am. I should not have to hide it. You think some things are meant to stay hidden. We can only greet the strange and unusual with love. If we show them love, they will return love. And love will spread and envelop all the beings on our wondrous world. Yeah, so first question uh before I reference kind of background are you one of those people who prefers me to call is the term graphic novel almost considered condescending now i was told that in like comics culture it's a no-no to call them that anymore
2: i totally don't care i kind of you know meaning meaning i'm fine i'm fine with graphic novel i uh you know i i usually i usually call myself a cartoonist mm-hmm. but um no, I find that anything that that helps people understand it is useful.
1: Yeah, so obviously this was one of the more memorable cinematic experiences I've had this year for sure. I mean, just like uh, I had no idea what I was getting into, and it's just a complete visual feast for the eyes. I I think it would have been even better had I not been stone cold sober when I watched it, but it's just... <laughs>
3: <laughs> the, the drug experience, people are saying, you know, that seems like a good idea, but then on second thought, maybe not.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's really overwhelming and scary, I bet, actually. Yeah. I mean, one character literally says, like, this is a bad trip during the film, right? Like, Yeah. So obviously, you, uh, you have a background, uh, Dash, you have a background in drawing cartoons, graphic novels. And then you enter the world of film with my high school was sinking into the sea a few years back, right? Yes. And you guys are a writing team. I, I guess also partners writer, in your partners.
3: I'm kind of, I'm, I'm the head of the animation department. Gotcha. But we're both right, drawing and painting and working back and forth and making suggestions.
1: So tell me a little bit about the journey taking you both into the world of feature films now from, because just the static medium of drawing.
2: Well, I, I always liked, uh, limited animation you know animation that limits the number of drawings on screen and that kind of mode of animation is often connected to comics like astro boy was you know based on a comic and was directed by tezuka who drew the comic the so speed racer they're like comics animation connection you know growing up in the 90s there was like you liked x-men and there's also the x-men animated series on tv and and x-men animated series kind of looked like the x-men comic and that kind of mode was was always the goal and kind of seeing that relationship to independent cinema meaning that it felt kind of more it could be more independently produced and more idiosyncratic and more personal and and all of those wonderful things so then i luck, i thankfully the best thing in my life is that i met jane and um jane was trans. You know, trained as an animator, and we fell in love. And I kind of roped her into um, high school sinking. and then she eventually took over.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm known to my friends. I we I have what's called takeover itis. <laughs> you know, the joke in my family is that if you want my father to do something, all you have to do is start the project where he could see you <laughs> and I suffer from the same problem. You know, uh, Dash is like, well, I kind of like to do a trailer for my book and I'd like it to be animated. And then all of a sudden I'm just yanking it out of his hands. <laughs> you know, when he proposed high school thinking we had done some shorts and we had been trying to get a feature made um, with, you know, traditional financing and all of this and been stymied a bit. And he just, he wrote high school syncing and he came to me and he said, I think we could just do this. And Dash is, I I thought we it was nuts to just start a feature film, to just do it. But Dash has this incredible ability to get things made and to just to work on it every day and make it happen. And and so I believed him and he turned out to be right. And then
2: you, you believed <laughs> me more as we got into As we it. got
3: into it. And first <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll work on this on the weekends. But yeah. if you say so, dude. <laughs>
1: So obviously, you had one feature under your belt by this point. How long did this take? Because it looks just so painstakingly detailed, with all the textures, and you have multiple planes of action, and um, it's you guys use Photoshop a little bit too, so it's not all hand drawn, yeah. right? Well, it's all it's all hand drawn or hand painted, but then it's
2: composited, and it all has to go through the computer for movement, for to for articulation, for lots of things. But everything is, begins as
3: as a, a physical object on paper or a model. I mean, there are exceptions tiny, that, exceptions. tiny exceptions yeah. to that. But for the most part, every texture is is an actual wash of spray paint on on a sheet of paper or or a scribble that has been drawn eighty million times on on paper.
2: Um, and it took the whole movie took like five years. So oh. I, I I wrote the script and storyboarded it before Jane got involved, and that was around, like, 2016, and then Jane got involved around 2017, and we finished it end of 2020. It premiered at Sundance, so Sundance January 2021. Wow,
1: that's wild. Um, So you mentioned some of the textures. I was curious about a couple in particular. Uh, The Russian hats I thought were really interesting um, because you actually do kind of recreate that kind of woolly texture. What did you use for that?
2: That's Jane being a good painter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that just that...
3: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just a combination of, of the line, my line drawings, I think, for almost all of those hats um and gouache paint. Um, you know, we made a decision pretty early on in the film that we wanted all the human characters to be pencil line, wish with watercolor washes underneath, and all of the cryptids to be fully realized gouache paintings. And then one of the joys of the film was deciding to break those rules. Obviously Mm -hmm. Phoebe is a huge departure from that, but you also have the Alcanost that has elements of both. And um, yeah, it's paint. I painted that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So cool. So, um... Some of the creatures obviously have very explicit bases in mythology and folklore, but then some of them seem to be just completely unique creations, you guys.
3: Everything comes from an actual mythology that was very important um, to Dash to help ground the whole film in the real world. And But we, of course, wanted to choose ones you hadn't seen so many times. So I'm, I'm glad we succeeded in that.
1: So tell me about a couple of them. Like uh Pliny, I thought was interesting where he's uh he's a human without yeah, a hand Pliny's with mounted chest. A blemmy
2: and you can find like paintings of blemys dating back, I don't know, in this to the 16th century. Like so, and there's even a blemmy in a Rene Lalou movie called Gandahar. Mm-hmm. So I, I had seen those um you know, the, the, the Pliny and, and uh, Phoebe, I think are, and Gustav are interesting because they're kind of where cryptids are humanoid have, you know, can be, so then you're kind of part of the, the confusion of the movie is where is the line between, you know, this, a monster and a human. And some of these things that we might think are monsters are smart, like the lights are all the, you know, so Pliny, Pliny is a favorite of mine too. And a Pliny of the, a favorite of the the composer, John Carroll Kirby. Loves play. Uh,
3: we had, one of Dasha's lovely friends actually got a Pliny plushie made for our daughter, <laughs> which is oh. disturbing and adorable when she plays with it.
1: It's so meta too. Cause obviously there's the commentary of like, oh, we're turning these creatures into toys and, the oh, movie, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. and then you're actually doing it. <laughs> Although honestly, I would get plushies of a couple of those creatures if they sold them.
3: I mean I think the Baku would probably move well. It's it's pretty huggable in its current state. <laughs> it it looks huggable. Very satisfying hug.
1: That's the dream sucking elephant. Yes. Baku. Yeah. Oh my god. What what's the backstory for that? You said they're all based in real mythology. Yeah, the um, I mean, again,
2: you can there's an a Hokusai drawing of a Baku from like 1860, I think. And and I had heard of that because there's an experimental manga anthology called Comic Baku as the title. Mm-hmm. And um, when I came across that creature, that's when it really felt like uh, a movie and that, 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 you know, movies can be so dreamlike. Um, as so, opposed to
3: being a story that would be better told in comics. Yeah. Right. and bruce lee search for death of a film star in your podcast app you've seen them tell stories now it's time to tell theirs
1: well this is i mean everything does feel very dreamlike about this so um tell me a little bit about the way you had multiple planes moving uh, there was a scene like they're in the cave i thought it was so interesting because you had three different layers you have the slag tights in the front and then you very clearly have some depth with the characters moving in the background tell me how you made that happen
3: um you know that is just after effects doing what it is built to do <laughs> uh we have this is you know one of those projects that could not happen without technology um but throughout the process we're really uh we're doing what we call the eye test to make sure that you know everything that we're seeing on the screen could plausibly, could plausibly be done practically, or that it it never takes you out and yells that it's been manipulated digitally.
2: You know that come that uh, we're using After Effects to replicate effects that we've seen in older cartoons. So like mm. that planar thing you're talking about is like the Disney multiplane camera. Mm-hmm. So other people would use After Effects very very differently than us you know, we're, it's we're really not we're, designed
3: at all as a character animation platform. Like to make yeah. it do that you have to use third-party plugins, but that multi-plane thing is, is something that's baked into After Effects and, uh, kind of in the biz, we call it two and a half D or postcards in space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's talk about the story a little bit. Cause I mean, obviously it's what kind of inspired this, you know, like you, it's very clearly attacking kind of the idea of people meaning well, attempting to preserve, but capitalism kind of corrupts all. So tell me a little bit about what inspired ultimately this particular story. The very first thing was thinking about drawing as our
2: first and only way of depicting imaginary beings, you know, Mm -hmm. like it can't be photographed. There was an early unfinished short film by Windsor McKay called the Centaurs from 1921 Mm -hmm. that, that is kind of, Beautiful and has like a kind of adult sexy quality to it. So Jane had an all women's D&D group and I (laughs) wanted to write something that she would kind of enjoy participating in. So the first thing was cryptids. Then the things you're talking about with capitalism and and exploitation and kind of the the utopian ideal of, of using a place to introduce these beings to the outside world. And by doing that, you're harming them that happens because of my personality and the things that I'm thinking about while trying to do like, uh, you know, a mythological creature movie. So that that's in, in me.
3: Yeah. Meaning,
2: you know, uh, there's obviously like a Hollywood version of this movie yeah. that doesn't have any of that in it.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's called Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I definitely got the Jurassic Park vibes, especially in the finale. That's a very overwhelming experience. So obviously you guys kept kind of a tight ship in terms of it looks like you did a lot of everything, but I was intrigued about the sound design in, uh, in those moments. So tell me a little bit about kind of making, um, the finale and almost this, this hellscape from the moment they plunge down into the water, you know, cause that seems like a turning point
2: really. You know, Ryan Price, the sound designer really gets a lot of credit for that. Um, and he spent years working on this movie. Like, you know, especially for independent films, often the sound design is is like the, the very last rush stage. But mm-hmm. because we were working on this movie so for so many years, he could send me, you know, weird Baku sucking, dream sucking sounds, like all throughout, as we try to, try to hone it and get it to sound more and more appropriate. So yeah, he, you know, Ryan Price figured that out. and And of, of course, at the end, Again, there's a version of of that that is exciting, mm-hmm. but the the crypto zoo falling should feel sad, and yeah. these cre- so and it should have a melancholic bent to it. So that happens, I think, really through through the the score, John Carroll Kirby, and the sound design.
3: We are just tremendously lucky to be working with the, the skilled people that we are, and they make magic that we don't know how to do. We just say, we trust you, bring us awesomeness.
1: <laughs> and then, um, you know, obviously going back to like Fritz the Cat, there there is like sex in animation, but it's, it's ultimately, it's by animated standards, a fairly like sexually explicit film. How did you decide to like open it with a sex scene?
2: Well, um, you know, for me, I really wanted, I thought it would be interesting in and of itself to have drawing in movies, in an animated movie that felt like figure drawing. And I had spent mm-hmm. years going to figure drawing classes, drawing nude people. And then after I graduated college, I worked as a figure drawing model just to kind of stay in that same space, which I find very like creative and thrilling. And, and so the, the it was really like getting the people nude, you know, there <laughs> at the beginning and um, that, you know, I. I thought would be touching and, and um, to see these kind of, you know, kind of all, almost like Adam and Eve slash horror movie kind of quality of these two nude people
1: in a very dark environment. Up to and including it looked like uh, it looked like she had like a fig leaf when the uh, honor in some of the drawings too. you know, very evoking those Adam and Eve paintings, which I thought was interesting. So obviously <laughs> You you don't want yourself to like sell out and do a very like Hollywoodized version, but this has made a lot of buzz. My high school sinking into the sea made a lot of buzz. Have you guys thought about
3: what's next? We are in production on the next film. We have an animatic. Uh, we have done production art. Uh, we're really hoping to get rocking on that soon because definitely for me being in the middle of the project is is where my joy is at. Um yeah.
2: The best thing anyone can do to help us do that is to go see CryptoZoo in theaters. <laughs> Let everyone know
1: that you want us to make another movie. Another movie,
3: movie. yes. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I will do my best to help get the word out. So thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure. And this was truly a unique and special experience. So thank you for sharing it with the world. Woo! Thank you.
3: Thank you for watching. <laughs>
0: Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the writer and director for CryptoZoo, Dash Shaw, and producer Jane Zamborski here on the Next Best Picture podcast. CryptoZoo will be playing in limited release on August 20th from Magnolia Pictures. We highly recommend that you check it out. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.
3: I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey.